1: Welcome everyone. Thanks for your patience. Here we are. We can start. Welcome to uh, Marymount Mercy Centre. This is where we are. Perusia uh, Media have been based here for the last few years and we've been a uh, privileged to be able to bring the Art of Practical Catholicism Part 2, how exciting. I remember when Part 1 was released over in Parramatta and, and George approached me and seeing the endorsements that it had and how practical it was, I thought this, this needs to get out there. We need to get this out to as many people, especially young people, because it breaks down complex ideas and, and, and complex um uh, concepts that the church teaches, but it breaks it down in a simple way, and it's very accessible even for teenagers to read. So, well done, George, John, congratulate you on your hard efforts. Uh, a lot of work has gone into part one and now part two. Also, there was also your booklet as well on serving, so you've been busy. Um, but George does have a passion for teaching the faith, spreading the faith, evangelizing. And I remember, uh, George, when we first met 14 years ago now, um, 2009 and it was when Tim Staples came to Australia and he was a, were you still in high school George? I can't remember, but do ten. So a high schooler, this high schooler was uh, on fire wanting to know more how to defend the faith and, and he would contact us and uh, I just said this something from this young man, um, God has got something planned for him and here we are all these years later and his, his maturity, his um, His prudence, the way he conducts himself uh, has really impressed me. So that's why I thought we've got to work together and do what we can to get the good news out there. So I want to congratulate you on your hard efforts uh, and just to see you over the years just grow and grow and grow and and be a real leader now in the church. So it's really exciting. Uh, His podcast as well has been very popular. It's not only on Voice of Charity but on Radio Maria. It's on all these other platforms, TV Maria, EWTN. Uh, We've been promoting that as well on our social media platforms and that's been very popular as well. Um, And so uh, very excited that we can launch just an intimate group tonight just to have it officially launched while Deacon Harold was in town. So this is the idea of tonight, to officially launch it. This is the Art of Practical Catholicism Part 2. As of right now, it is available, and uh, a lot of hard work endorsed. Father John Flatter sends his regards. He can't be here, but he would have been here tonight. Alan Smith from Canada as well has uh, been promoting it, and myself have been privileged there, with the forward from Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers himself. So, George, we're gonna do we invite you first or Deacon. We're gonna get Deacon the new. So I'm gonna invite Deacon, who's written the forward uh, to this, uh, to say a few words about his relationship with George and, and the project as well. So can you please uh, uh, have a warm welcome for Deacon Harold. I would also
2: like to extend my congratulations to George uh, for his book. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about evangelizing and, and, and very few people actually do it. <laughs> and George is doing it. Um, you know, this book is excellent very well done, Uh, and really giving people, because people often don't want to evangelize because they're afraid, they're afraid of rejection, they're afraid of uh, how they're going to be received, they're afraid that they don't know what to say, they don't know enough, and George, uh, as Charbel said, has broken it down uh, so that the average person can really go out there and witness to the power of their love for Jesus Christ, and be able to know the faith, so they'll be able to defend the faith, right? Um, so, what is evangelization? Right? It, it, you know, yes, we all know it means good news, but really, what authentic evangelization is introducing people to the life changing encounter with Jesus Christ. That's really what authentic evangelization is all about. It's helping uh, the Lord invite people into a relationship of intimate, personal, loving, and life giving communion. That's what God is inviting us to. Um, And so we are all called by our baptism to share that invitation. The problem is, you know, we're disciples, right? We're called to be disciples, disciples who hears, accepts, and puts in the practice in their life every day the teachings of Jesus Christ in the church, inviting others to share his life. So where do we start in that journey? Um, in order to be an effective witness to Christ, you don't need master's degrees, you don't need, you know, uh, to, to listen to uh, endless streams of theological podcasts or learn biblical languages. Uh, we have to be first evangelize ourselves because you can't give what you don't have, right? If, if you said, Deacon Howe, give me $20, and I wish it to my wallet, and which is right here, and. I don't have $20. Uh, I can't give you what I don't have myself. So the question we have to ask ourselves, is Jesus Christ truly the heart and the center of my life? And we say, oh, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, you're so important. But when you think about how we live every day, is Jesus Christ truly the center of my life? Have I given Jesus permission to use me as an instrument of his will. If we are to help people recover their freedom in Christ, which is what evangelization is all about, we too first must be free. We achieve freedom by frequently seeking God's merciful love and forgiveness in the sacrament of reconciliation so that Jesus may come and make his home with us. Seeking God first helps us to overcome our preoccupation with the material things of this world, allowing God's Holy Spirit to draw us into God's heart, where there is nothing standing between us and our ability to be the person that God created us to be. Now, we all know the present situation of the culture. Right? We look around and we're like, what the heck is going on out here? Uh, things that we never had to think about, 10, 15 years ago, are making front-page news today. Uh, We live in a society that manipulates truth in order to satisfy its own way of thinking and living. Brutal acts of violence are justified in God's name, resulting in the deaths of thousands of Christians every year, especially now we're seeing in China and many countries in Africa, now in India. The most vulnerable and weakest of our human family, our unborn children, who are made in the image and likeness of God, are systematically killed through abortion, and now genetically manipulated or cloned or sold for the sake of fetal stem cell research by a society that does not consider them to be truly human persons. We live in a world of self-gratification and instant pleasure where we substitute the truth of God's love for pornography and conjugal intimacy outside of marriage between one man and one woman. We are utterly confused about our gender. We live in a world where we convince ourselves we never do anything wrong, justifying our sinful behavior beneath the facade of being a good person, while dismissing the need for God's incredible mercy and love. God the Father did not send his Son so that his teachings could be changed and influenced by the culture. Jesus came to transform the culture with his truth. As Catholics who are initiated into the life of faith by our baptism, we are called to share our faith to be living witnesses to the truth and love of Jesus and to make God's presence known in our world, each in our own way. This means first and foremost, standing up for and defending the truth. Jesus says that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What he means is that the work of evangelization is never finished. We cannot rest while the storms of war and poverty and economic instability shake us violently. The tempest of disease and corruption and unspeakable sins against the culture of life rage all around us. How are we to respond? Shall we be frightened and unsettled? Should we panic as we listen to secular media, business analysts, self-assured politicians who sound like prophets of doom? Or should we instead be like Jesus and deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him to glory? Those who live in the presence of God have nothing to fear. When we become overwhelmed by the trials and tribulations of our life, We must have unwavering trust in God the Father so that he he can pour out on us a spirit of freedom, a spirit of love that casts out all fear, removes all doubt, and eliminates all obstacles that hinder us from becoming true followers of Christ. So what prevents us then from sharing our faith? Many of our brothers and sisters today are suffering tremendous persecution and would rather die than deny Jesus Christ. Even in the midst of such terrible affliction, they do not stop preaching the gospel. They do not stop proclaiming the truth. While in prison, the martyr, St. Andrew Kim Tejan wrote, hold fast to the will of God with all your heart. Fight the good fight under the leadership of Jesus. Conquer again the diabolical power of this world that Jesus has already vanquished. Tertullian wrote in the second century that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, implying that the martyrs' willing sacrifice of their lives leads to the conversion of others. So what does martyrdom look like today? The religious persecution that we talked about before, the cancel culture, deplatforming, the culture of woke. Talk about deplatforming. I just got demonetized on YouTube. <laughs> they said my content uh was, was it like the, the content that I was posting was unsafe for the community. Catholic faith. Unsafe to the community. I gave a talk to a Catholic middle school in 2022 called Truth, Freedom, and the Human Person, a talk that I had given to 6th and 8th graders numerous times before. In describing the challenges of the culture, I mentioned in passing, without going into any detail whatsoever, some of the basic truths of our faith that are being challenged by the culture. That marriage is between a man and a woman, that a child in the womb is a person, not a blob of tissue, that boys are males and girls are females, that the elderly and the ill are not worthless, but being made in the image and likeness of God, have an inherent dignity and therefore cannot be euthanized or offered assisted suicide. So after the talk, the kids clapped and said, when are you coming back? Oh, but the emails I received from some of the parents and the teachers who were there, that's a different story. One of them said, you chose to use this venue to express your values regarding trans, gay, abortion, and euthanasia issues. I did not appreciate your intensity or tone when your long, meandering narrative landed on these topics. I just told you what I said about those topics, that's all I said. Another email, this audience was not an appropriate place for you to indulge in your aggressive, bizarre, and shameful behavior. Another one, you came across as a bozo, a fanatical Catholic weirdo, and someone who didn't seem very bright. Another one, you were angry and weird and creepy. Wow. It's nice. I know, isn't it? These comments came after I clearly and directly stated the following basic principle of the Catholic faith. We love everyone, but we always don't love their actions. And we judge actions, we never judge people. We are called to love all of our brothers and sisters with the love and the heart of Jesus Christ. And if we don't love our brothers and sisters in that way, you cannot call yourself a Catholic. So even after saying all that, I still got those emails. Now, fast forward a year later, this past March, in a different part of the United States, I gave the same exact talk and did not change a word I received a letter from the principal that stated, in part, I wanted to share with you how much the students enjoyed your visit and the impact you made on them. It was exciting to hear the students discuss your talks amongst themselves with teachers, with their parents and grandparents. You definitely planted a few seeds. Enclosed, please find letters from our fifth through eighth grade students who participated in your presentation. Thank you for visiting us and making such a positive impression on our students. And so attached to that letter was an envelope that thick with handwritten, not just notes, letters, full letters from the students. I'm just going to read you parts of some. Thank you for teaching us. You made me want to learn more about God and pray more to God. Another one. You showed me how to live my faith. Not just keep it inside my head. Another one. Sometimes I feel like God doesn't want me anymore. But now I know that he will always want me. You made me think about how much of a role God plays in my life. I am very excited to share what you told me and apply it to my life. Another one. You were very engaging, it kept me entertained, and I never got bored. My faith has truly grown since your talks. Your words influenced me to go out and spread the word of God. Your discussion changed some of my perspectives on certain things. Thank you for helping me grow in my faith. Your message at my school was inspirational. I thought your description of the church was beautiful. I have heard from many people that your talks help them to understand and connect to their faith. You are just an inspiration. I've personally been going through a hard time trying to stand up for my faith in today's world. But you have helped me succeed in expressing my faith even more. Now I feel I can get through almost anything with God by my side, and your words, In my mind. So, Jesus teaches that our faith is a light for the world and it should not be hidden or reserved for ourselves, but must be proclaimed from the rooftops. Do we practice our faith openly and without fear? How many are inspired to become followers of Christ through our example? Our personal relationship with Jesus and our knowledge of his gospel is not something to be kept secret. A good Catholic is not someone who only follows the rules, but radiates faith and shares it generously. Who is concerned with others having an experience of loving and being loved by God. If we don't radiate Christ by the witness of our lives, then we failed. To be a Christian is to be a disciple, an evangelizer, a sharer of the faith by our words and our actions. Jesus says, to the one who has, more will be given. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. In Christian life, we gain by giving. In a confused and hurting world where I think has been replaced with I feel, whose, wor- whose followers worship the trinity of me, myself, and I, George Manasseh reminds us of the fundamental principles of truth, goodness, and beauty rooted in Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church. Truths that intricately connect the mind and the heart to every aspect of our lives. Work recreation, prayer, liturgy, social media, and so many other areas. The art of practical Catholicism, too, is a light in the darkness for those searching for more than what this world offers, and a veritable feast for those hungering and thirsting for the truth that sets them free. This book Will undoubtedly draw many readers to rediscover a life giving relationship with the Lord. So let us draw inspiration from King Solomon, who in the Proverbs encourages us to be both humble and countercultural. Despite our limitations, God continues to speak through his adopted sons and daughters. Let us appreciate the fact that when we have God's love, And not fear as the source of our evangelization efforts. The Lord can achieve his will and bring light in the darkness. For I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. So again, I want to thank... George for his book. Uh, I've been on this podcast many times. In fact, I've been on so many times, I have a playlist on my YouTube channel dedicated just to George. So, uh, so I want to thank him for uh, tremendous opportunities. Uh, and and uh, just by being, being out there, not being afraid to get out there and to write and to speak and to educate. And again, most importantly, to bring people to Jesus and to his love. So thank you, George, congratulations uh, for his incredible achievement, and I would just encourage you to keep going because we need you. Amen,
1: brother, thank you. Thank you, Dynamic Deacon Harold, that's his nickname, Dynamic Deacon, now you know why. And uh, also you know why George approached him for the forward. He's really a, a real international powerhouse and a world leader in evangelization himself. And so, George, I couldn't think of a better person uh, to choose to, to, to write the forward. So, very nice move. George is a, a wise man. We're about to hear from the author himself, The Art of Practical Catholicism. One, one little point I'd like to point out is one of my favourite things about this book, and, the, and, and number one as well, um, the three practical tools in every chapter. And there's always a takeaway. And it's something that George builds into his podcast, something he builds into when he has guests on. What are three takeaways? He always drills about it. So, you know, I, I, can, I think that's a very practical way of just summarising any talk, any, anything you hear. So well done, congratulations. And now it's your turn to speak. Can we give a big warm welcome to the author, George Manasseh.
0: I want to thank Dynamic Deacon Harold for being here. Thank you so much, Deacon. It's an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for the forward. Um, Something great about Dynamic Deacon is his commitment and his love for Australia, especially, and for the support of the Catholic Toolbox. Um, We were doing, we were actually recording an episode right before Deacon flew out to New Zealand and and uh, we recorded and then I asked Deacon when are you you coming here to Australia not knowing the schedule and then he said oh I'm flying out in the morning (laughs) and it's, it's just so amazing just your commitment and I thank you so much for your support of the Catholic Toolbox and everything that you do around Australia and your love for Australia. It only felt like yesterday when it was three years ago, we launched the Art of Practical Catholicism number one um, at St Patrick's Cathedral in Parramatta. And we were in a mini lockdown at the time. Uh, the the Spit Bridge <laughs> and above, uh, where Manly and above were, um, were in lockdown at the time. And, uh, but we got it through. So miraculously getting through everything through COVID. So, I want to speak about here tonight, the show, the, uh, the Catholic Toolbox. So, the book is called The Art of Practical Catholicism. And that's, that's the motto of my show, which is a radio show and podcast airing on a number of networks. Um, and so, the niche of the show was founded when I was working on roughly a $7 million project um, Uh, out west and I was in the midst of a meeting called Toolbox Meetings. So on Monday mornings we'd have Toolbox Meetings where we'd sit with managers, site staff and all sorts of uh, people that are there ready to execute the project. So that was Monday mornings, every single Monday. And in the midst of one of those meetings Uh, As my wife can attest to beautifully, my sort of head uh, went somewhere else. And uh, it went to the faith and I was thinking about the state of the church and and thinking about how we're going to get the message of the gospel out there. And then my head came back down. (laughs) And I woke up and I thought, this is how we need to think about the faith. We need to think in a practical way where we take the faith, we take the theology of the church, the teaching of the church, and then we translate it we, we, into something practical. And we're able to take action. Because at the end of the day, as uh, the Reverend Father John Flater said, our Lord will not ask us on our judgment day how much we knew, but how much we loved and how much we did, how much action we took. The Catholic faith is not about how much we know, but how much we loved and we lived. So, in order to live our faith, we need to learn how to take action with it. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he brought two tablets of stone, and then our Lord became flesh. That very stone, that Word of God, became flesh. So, we need to allow the Word of God to become flesh in our lives, and we need to take action. So I was in the midst of that meeting, we're planning, we're executing, and I thought, we need this for the church. We need to be able to take the faith, and we need to think practically, because we're in an ever-changing world, especially after COVID-19. We're constantly updating everything, we're moving fast, we have AI coming in. It's such a fast-paced world that's changing. So I thought, We need to get it in a zone, in a mindset of thinking practically as Catholics. So that's why the motto of the show is the art of practical Catholicism. So what I wanted to create was a mindset for today to be able to learn our faith, which is what Perusia Media does tremendously. And can we give a round of applause to Shaba Arashia and... um Perusia Media does tremendous work to bring the gospel and to educate minds and to catechise people who don't know their faith. And that's what saved my faith personally. When I was in year 10, 14 years ago, um, and, and I was challenged by some Protestants in a park, I didn't have an answer about purgatory, and then I ran back and I knew there was that CD from Perusia Media of Tim Staples, about his story, then I listened to it, and then I started learn- to learn more. So that's a little bit about me. So Perusia Mayor does tremendous work to evangelise and equip everybody with the knowledge of the Catholic faith. They do tremendous work. Now, that's step one. We need to learn our faith. Now, the art of practical Catholicism in my show, which airs on um, uh, 1701 AM, Voice of Charity Australia, Radio Maria and all the other platforms, what I sought to do was create, just like that meeting, in that toolbox meeting, uh, I was there, I was thinking in a practical way, I wanted to take that method of thinking for our faith so that we could take action more easily, think about our faith, any aspect, whether it's prayer, whether it's um, how to evangelise at work, whether uh, how to live the feasts, how to live a better spiritual life, and then translate it practically into practical strategies, or what I call tools. Hence, the Catholic toolbox show was born. It was born when my mind dozed off in that meeting, and then it came back down and then it was born. And then a good friend of mine, Father John Caddy, offered uh, me a segment on Tuesday nights at the Voice of Charity in, um, uh, out in Mount Druitt, the studio there. So that was Tuesday nights, 8 to 9 p.m. And I wanted to use that hour to instruct people in the faith and quickly then turn that into three practical tools. What can we actually do? I think at the same time I was frustrated a little bit with some, some talks I was hearing, some homilies, some, some instructions that were... You, you get to the point, we listen to them and you think, how can I actually apply this? How can I practically apply this? And that's what I wanted to achieve with the show. It's to give people an hour a week where we take a topic or aspect of the faith or some area of human virtue. And then we digest it, we discuss it, and then we quickly, uh, mechanically, in a way, find out how can we practically implement this? How can we leave the show, leave and go back to our day-to-day lives and actually live this practically? Because this is the mindset that we need now to succeed in evangelising the culture. So that was the art of practical Catholicism number one, uh, where I took 40 topics a lot of them were discussed on the show, and some people ask me were they actually all based on the show? I said, uh, I said to one fellow that was asking me the other week, um, I said to him they're actually all topics that we may have discussed, but it's all basically my own, my own practical tools that I came up with. Because often on the show, my guests always give the practical tools, so I, I give the practical tools here in the book. So I wanted to equip people with a guide. Uh, based off the show, in a book, to, to take different aspects of their faith, different topics, and then practically implement it. So just going through the book, you have uh, different topics such as how faith and food, bringing someone back to church, the art of humility, uh, Catholic political influence, which is something I very much uh, love. I love to see good practising Catholics go out there into politics and make a change and work in their field. Um, it's, if somebody were asking what my favourite chapter was of this book, it would be Explore the Eastern Churches. And there I give practical tips on how to actually find Eastern churches, how to study the different liturgies and appreciate them, and then sort of take that and bring that into your personal life. So every topic, just like the show, mirroring the show, is something where each person can can learn a different, take a different topic, digest it, learn and quickly re themselves or re-brush up on that teaching and then think of three practical tools to take action. So there are several people I want to thank um, for this book, especially Perussia Press. Thank you, Charbel, for taking up this and publishing it, uh, making it available for everybody to access. Thank you so much. So Perusia Press, the publisher. I specifically want to thank Deacon Harold for the forward. Thank you so much for the forward and for your commitment. And if you read at the front of the book, um, a couple of pages in, I dedicate this book to His Holiness Pope Benedict XVI, one of the greatest theologians of our time. Thank you for your writings and for your, your renewal of the liturgy. Especially through the *Moto Proprio* *Summorum so Pontificum*, so I have a great love of Pope Benedict XVI. When I did come back to the Catholic faith, his theology and his teaching and his inspiration as Pope, and previously as Cardinal Ratzinger, really shaped my appreciation for the faith and his and his renewal of the liturgy. I really think he did it. He he achieved a lot through his uh, restoration of the Latin Mass and. The, the, these effects are still being felt and will be felt for generations to come. And I also dedicate this book uh, simultaneously to his eminence, Cardinal George Pell, the greatest prelate in Australia's history thus far. Thank you for strengthening the faith of Australia. So I dedicate it to these two great prelates of the church who've inspired me personally and I'm really, really grateful. I thank The Reverend Father John Flader, my very good friend. Uh, He's been a spiritual father to me for about maybe possibly over 13 years when I was in year 10, when I met him first um, at Catholic Adult Education Centre and he's had a profound impact on me personally. So I thank Father John Flader. He apologises he couldn't make it tonight because he he goes uh, twice a month to Hobart to give a series of talks, so I'd like to thank Father John Flader, and also my good friend Alan J. Smith who endorsed the book as well. Alan J. Smith is the Bishop Sheen expert, so he's also a, a radio producer uh, on Radio Canada and Radio, um, sorry, Radio Maria Canada and Radio Maria Australia as well, several Radio Marias and author of several books, so a good friend of mine there. And also Shabel Raish, thank you for your support and your endorsement of the book and everything you do for the catholic toolbox. So I just want to leave people with a final word of inspiration to go out there and and take action with their faith and that's from James chapter 1 verse 22. And that very much inspired me when I started the journey of the catholic toolbox show on radio. And James chapter 1 verse 22 says it is not merely enough for us to know the faith but we need to live we need to take action we have to take action because we're living in a culture as deacon said where under every single moral principle is under attack and we need to combat this we are the church militant on earth. We are militant on earth because the powers of darkness are ever restless to encompass her destruction. And we need to fight. We need to put on the armor of God. We need to learn the faith. And then we need to quickly pull out our sword, which is the three practical tools in every single chapter. Uh, hopefully I can help you with it. Or with the mindset of taking action and quickly Get back in there into the world and take action. Live your faith. Pray. Um, use some of these strategies that I give in the book to talk about God in your workplace. You know, it may be in subtle ways. We need to take action. And that's my goal with the Art of Practical Catholicism. And let that be your guide. And I thank everybody for coming here tonight and for Voice of Charity, Radio Maria, and Perusia. Thank you very much for everything that you do and God bless you all.
1: Thank you. So I think um, spoken beautifully and yeah. it's a good time, any questions about it, it could be anything right now, is a good time just to ask George directly, or even Deacon, uh, any questions about whether it's the process of the book, what, um, um, what audience is this is for, there's a bunch of questions we can ask, but do we have anything from the audience right now? Uh, to ask now is the opportunity before we wrap up.
2: What's the difference between the first and the second one? Great. Could you repeat it for the microphone?
0: No problems. Uh, the difference between the first and the second one is... The topics, very much the topics. So three years ago was a very different environment. Three years ago was a very different environment. And uh, so a lot of things have changed. So that's reflecting what, we've, what I've carried out through the show, the different topics, and it's been reflected here in the book. So if you look at a few examples here, um, Chapter 5 is Etiquette for Your Digital Devices. <laughs> more and more, as people are on on their digital devices, it's good to be conscious of etiquette there. Um, also, on sanctifying your work, I think more and more uh, it's it's more and more important now to really go into our secular work and find holiness there, because we're becoming busier and busier. And fighting racism today—that's chapter twelve. That's a very um, a very important one. And you wrote a book about that, Deacon. Um, and it's it's coming out when? In a month. In a month. Excellent. So, what book is that? Uh,
2: What's the building title? A civilization of love: a Catholic response
0: to racism. A Catholic response. So, building a civilization of love, a Catholic response to racism. Um, and there are different topics. So, it's basically a continuation of the first, but with more relevant topics to the previous three years. Yeah. Any more questions? before we start the book signing? Yeah. Uh, is, would the book be helpful to give to someone to bring him back to the church? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because uh, I usually call this the, the backdoor method. So we can bring people back to the Catholic faith when they can look at the faith as, as very practical Often people can look at the faith and say, oh, well, there's too many rules, there's too many, too many things to do, how can I live this practically? When people can see that Catholicism is a practical religion, it's, it, 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 it's, it's how we, it, we are going to achieve the greatest happiness, then they will come. Because it's not only just about learning our faith, but it's about being able to take action with our faith. Because if we can take action with our faith and live it, and people can then see that we're taking action and living our faith, then they will see the light of Jesus Christ. They will see that this is the Word. The Word has truly become flesh. So absolutely, I would give it to anybody who is not Catholic or is lapsed or away from the church. I think it would be a, great, a really, really great tool to give it to them and show them, hey, you can get some catechesis out of these chapters. But you can actually see how we can practically live this. And because often in my experience, so many people look at members of the church and say, Oh well, he's a hypocrite, he's not living his faith, he's gossiping. But if we can see how we can actually take action with our faith, then they will see the faith as a true way of life to following Jesus Christ. Yeah. Is it there that we
2: can preserve the faith? Because most of the time, when there is trial, people' pipe subsides. You know? mm-hmm. I believe that we can part it here as well. And I, I know that you put some out there, and maybe once I get a book, mm-hmm. I can uh, try to find. and I mean, mm-hmm. you give some, some, us uh, some point that maintaining that pipe as well is like a:
0: Yeah, during adversity. So, your question is uh, how to maintain the faith in adversity?
2: Uh, I'm just, you know,
0: something like, if it is written in your book, that yeah. something in there like that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank, you. thank you. So, if you go to chapter 40, the last chapter, so uh, Art of Practical Catholicism 1 and this book number 2 are both 40 chapters. So, the last chapter of this book is Do Not Despair. So, uh, so looking at the adversity ahead, and knowing that Christ is with us, and that no matter how how much worse this society can become on a social level, we have to understand that God doesn't intend us to be comfortable. We're not meant to be comfortable. See, see, even just on a business level, it's very, very important to understand that. We are not meant uh, to always have have an easy road. There are always obstacles, you know, in everyday life, whether it's work or business or family life. So we're not entitled to have it easy so, uh, or have a, an easy path. So there will. Be, so the more and more we can accept that this life is a cross, and we can be prepared, um, just on a human level and also spiritually, the more we can combat. Uh, the more we can combat any adversity that comes our way or any despair that might come. Because we might look at the world now, even within the church and outside the church, and say, oh, well, well, uh, oh, it's so bad, and we just become pessimistic. That's the temptation, even for me personally. we can all become, uh, We can all despair. But the more and more we understand that God has put us in this time to become saints with the challenge of today then we realise it's not so bad. We look at Jesus Christ of the cross, it's not so bad. So the more and more we can accept suffering and look at, uh, look at that as our, as somewhat as our um, reference point, then the more we can take on adversity. That's how I see it, realistically.
2: Is there any specific age group
0: are you targeting for that book? I'm targeting the age of reason and above. So that's, that's my goal. For somebody in high school, let's say probably year seven, probably high school and above, that's what I'm trying to target. It's probably most, um, the people who can actually pick this up and really benefit from this will probably be from grade seven or year seven and above. Yeah. Making it accessible to everybody. And there was discussion about having this as a study guide within uh, some that schooling. Can you yeah. use this in a
1: group setting.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Great. I think I was speaking to a friend of mine who wants to suggest this as a as a study guide within youth groups and within schools. Because the, the as I say in the book, the art of practical Catholicism is a mindset. It's not just these 40 topics. It allows you, as my good friend... Um, Alan J. Smith in Canada, who endorsed the book, uh, the second person in line after Father John Flater, said to me, after he read the manuscript, he said, oh, man, I read through the book. It was like a workout. It was like a spiritual workout. Practical tool, practical tool, practical tool. <laughs> and uh, so that's the aim of the art of practical Catholicism, to take any aspect of our faith or good human virtue and, and then allow us to think, okay, how can we take action? If I want to pray better, hey, I've got to set a schedule. I've got to do this, I've got to, I've got to um, uh, really, really think how can I strategize practically. And this will then get people involved where I do say in the book uh, and I suggest for people to throw in their own practical tools of how can they take action with these particular areas. That's why at the back of the book I leave you notes and practical resolutions at the back just to throw your practical tools or ways to live the faith, practical strategies, so I get you involved. That's that's the aim of it. It's it's a mindset, the art of practical Catholicism. We need to learn our faith, digest it, and then mechanically translate it in, how am I going to take action with this? What am I going to do tomorrow to bring Jesus Christ to my workplace? How can I mention, you know, talk a little bit about church in my workplace. How can I... um, Bring, how, how can I get good people elected? And uh, you have an election next year, right, Deacon? Mm-hmm. A very important one for the United States. Um, so how can we get good Catholic people or people of good human virtue the best possible result? What can we do practically? So we've got to start thinking practically, and that's the aim of the art of practical Catholicism.
1: Thank you very much. All right, can we give George a round of APPLAUSE <laughs>